listeners. I'm Logan McLean, and this is OJT on the Job Training, the Deadlines Edition. This is the first episode of OJT Deadlines. While regular bi-weekly podcasts will continue to bring the long-form interviews you know, Deadlines episodes feature audio versions of my written work, along with radio-style broadcast pieces. Some stories will be up to date, while others are interesting enough to share anytime. This week, we take a look at some of the local heroes of 2020 and the state of the Holland College Food Bank, before saying a final farewell to Christmas activities. Becca Griffin believes in magic, and she finds it in the creative work she does. Things like building puppets for the Scarecrow Festival and Whoville on Victoria Row. I believe in the creation of magic through community. So um, being a part of teams like this, like like the Discover Charlottetown team and the Art in the Open team. Um, I also do work with uh, the River Clyde pageant. Um, like to be a part of those teams. They're all magic makers, right? So so I feel like I'm a part of this magic-making community, and that's just, like, what I was meant to do. Like, it, And it feels so right here. This December, she read a story for the Charlottetown Christmas Festival. Sitting on a small stage at Receiver Coffee, Griffin wore a festive red and white sweater. The brick walls of the dimly lit cafe were covered with cross-stitched artwork in frames. She ran through a quick mic check, displaying the presence and poise of an experienced actor, and then she read. The story she chose was The Best Christmas Pageant Ever by Barbara Robinson. So basically, there are these hoodlums in town, but they're called the Herdmans. And there are like, how many Herdmans are there? I feel like there's like 10 of them. Um, so the Herdmans are hoodlums. The only place that the Herdmans do not go is Sunday school. All the kids in Sunday school have to do the annual Christmas pageant. And the Herdmans basically blackmail all the other children into not volunteering for the parts. So um, at the end of chapter two, all of the parts have been doled out to the Herdmans. Griffin got the idea for a story reading from an old teacher. One of my acting teachers used to dress up as... um, Charles Dickens. He used to dress up as Charles Dickens and go to the St. John City Market and read a Christmas Carol, like the Scrooge story, mm-hmm. aloud. He used to just stand there and read it as loud as he could, like um, like a town crier almost. And so I got the idea from that memory that I had of him doing that. Don't worry about your wings, Mother said. The main point of dress rehearsal isn't the costume. The main point is to go right straight through it without stopping. And that's what we are going to do, just as if we were doing it for the whole congregation. I'm going to sit in the back of the church and be your audience. But it didn't work that way. The baby angels came in at the wrong place and had to go back out again. And the whole gang of shepherds didn't come in at all. For fear of Gladys. Bailey Drummond was in the audience. I thought it was super fun and uh, something that I never would have thought about going to in the first place, but I'm glad I went. It was amusing. She thought Griffin suited her role. 
She was hilarious. She was the perfect person for the job. What's, what's that? She, just her impersonations of the characters that she was reading, I, she did a really fantastic job at it. I've got the baby here, Imogene barked at the wise men. Don't touch him. I named him Jesus. <laughs> no, 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 mother came flying up the aisle. No, Imogene, you know you're not supposed to say anything. Nobody says anything in our pageant except the angel of the Lord and the choir singing the carols. I guess mother had to say things like that, even though everybody knew it was a big lie. The Herdmans didn't look like anything out of the Bible, more like trick-or-treat. Griffin says the event was a needed morale boost during the pandemic when so much else was shut down. Drummond agrees. It's a great, great idea and good to get families out. Like a lot of people are cooped up and it's nice to... You know, if you have small children, to get out to go to a little story reading or a little concert or something. One member of the audience was not so into the story. But the multi-talented Griffin had something for everyone. When Imogene asked me what the pageant was about, I told her it was about Jesus. But that was just a part of it. It was about... It was about a brand new baby. Okay, before we finish the book, we are all going to sing Silent Night, the first verse together, okay? You don't have to sing it. Here we go. Silent night, holy Unfortunately, this reading was the last night before the Christmas festival was cancelled as a part of circuit breaker measures. Still, for those in the audience and on the stage, there was magic made of the nights they could. Logan McLean, Holland College Journalism and Communications. Heroes of 2020. Two PEI women work to address mental health, addictions, shortfalls. December 31st, 2020. Originally published by The Guardian. Charlottetown, PEI. Courtney Crosby needed help at 10 p.m. on a weeknight. She'd been advocating for the mental health of other people for a decade, and she'd been in recovery during that time. She had never before dealt with what she would call a mental health crisis herself. Until now. She was scared. She went with a friend to the emergency department. Come back at 10 a.m., they told her. No one was available. No mental health professionals or doctors were on site until the next morning. Emergency department staff told her friend she could go to jail for the night to sleep it off if she'd been drinking. She hadn't. She didn't have any history of criminal behavior either. She was a mother 
and an advocate, but she felt like a criminal. Crosby told this story on her Facebook account, and it was shared more than a thousand times. In November, Courtney Crosby organized a mental health and addictions awareness protest outside the PEI legislature with another advocate, Ellen Taylor. Taylor says when she sought help, she had to go off-island to get it. I thought that I might die if I kept doing drugs and drinking because it was so bad, she said. And help may not have come without the support around her, she said. If you want to get off-island treatment, it goes in front of a board for the funding. And I knew that my psychiatrist would really push for me to go, she said. A lot of people don't have that, though. A lot of people don't even have a family doctor. Patients are selected on a case-by-case basis, but Taylor understands why people see the system as stacked against them. A lot of people are like, well, it's not fair. Why can't I go there? Or why can't my dad go there? And I don't know the answer. This discourages people who are struggling, she said. Taylor recognizes that struggle. She remembers what addiction is like, she said. I mainly want to give people hope because I know how horrible it is. When people are in the depths of addiction, they sometimes can't manage the path to recovery alone, said Courtney Crosby. I often see people, adults, struggling with mental illness that are trying to navigate, that continue to get either turned away or face a block or a wall. One solution for discouraged people could be an advocate for adults in the community who are struggling, Crosby said. I know that we have the new child and youth advocate here for children advocating for their needs. It's not realistic to expect sick people to be able to navigate a system that even healthy people find challenging, Crosby said. They're at their end, and they don't know where to go. And someone can just come in, maybe go to appointments with them, help them write their emails, help them get in touch with the right person. Ellen Taylor would also like to see more action from the government, especially around community consultation. It's really easy to listen to me and say, yeah, you're right, but then nothing gets done so it's just kind of frustrating. Crosby has been in talks with MLA Gord McNeely about appearing before the Legislative Standing Committee on Health and Social Development in January. Taylor is hoping to meet with the government herself later this year. Through committees, officials could engage more with advocates and recovering addicts, she said. That would be good if they actually heard from people that are like in the meetings and talking to people that are new in recovery and stuff. Food Bank Use Down at Holland College November 20th, 2020 Originally published by The Guardian Charlottetown, PEI Trisha Thompson is seeing fewer students at the Holland College Food Bank this year. The need hasn't changed, but the college has. With COVID-19 moving many classes online, the Charlottetown campus is quieter now than in past years. Still, the Student Services Food Bank is helping any students it can. It's still being used. We're still restocking it, Thompson said. We're still going and getting groceries. Everyone at Student Services is involved, though Thompson is the lead. She isn't sure what the second semester will bring. After Christmas, when more students come back, we'll see what the need is. In past years, items like fresh fruit for breakfast would be gone in 30 minutes, she said. This year... The emphasis is more on non-perishables, especially healthy options, she said. It's a shelf, so we can't have refrigerated stuff like meat. The food bank started as just a small food shelf in the student union office. We kind of discussed that there was a greater need for it, Thompson said. Eventually, student services took on the project, 
with funding coming in recent years from Atlantic Canada Credit Union. The food bank also takes donations. It is an issue every year for sure, said Josh Vesey, student union manager. It's harder to keep a pulse on it this year, with us not being around as much and the students not being around as much. The union is not directly involved with the food bank, except for funding aid when needed. Still, the union and student services communicate closely to ensure students' material needs are met, he said. Our whole goal is to make sure that anything outside the classroom, whether it's financial insecurity, counseling, food insecurity, whatever it is, we want to make sure that those aren't the issues that are keeping people from being successful. While use is down this year, the impact on students is still important to Vesey. I think most people that use it or know about it value it quite a bit. Thompson sees it too. Usually they're very, very thankful. Over time, student services gets to know the students and their needs, she said. Even students will come back sometimes and drop things off themselves. Heroes of 2020. PEI businessman Norm Gallant believes there's more to life than money. December 30th, 2020. Originally published by The Guardian. Charlottetown, PEI. Note, an earlier version of this story misquoted Fran Gallant as using the word hell. Norm Gallant knows people talk. He counts on it. He's been selling furniture at the Furniture Gallery in Summerside for 25 years and knows the importance of maintaining services to small communities. If you sell a product up in Tegnish, a family that buys a fridge, stove, or dishwasher, and they have real serious problems with it, and you don't take care of them, they're going to tell all their neighbors and friends, he said. What he doesn't know is why some prosperous people are never satisfied. Some people have $2 million and they want two more. I don't know what the hell they want it for he said. I can never figure people out that are so wealthy and keep wanting more and more and more. So you have seven cars in the garage. Only could drive one. What's the difference? So when an anonymous donor reached out with an idea to help someone in the community, Gallant was interested. It was the early days of the pandemic and nurse Susan Doucette had been without a working washing machine for two weeks. The anonymous donor approached Gallant offering to cover half the cost of a new machine, if Gallant would donate it. He agreed. We stepped up to the plate and delivered one to her, he said. She was quite happy about it. She put it on Facebook and thanked us. Gallant notes they were only able to deliver it to her door and made sure to follow pandemic protocols. COVID-19 showed people just what a global economy means, he said. The whole thing is interconnected. While he tries to stock Canadian products... Most manufacturing that used to be done in places like Ontario and Quebec has moved internationally, he said. We try to stay as much in Canada with products as we can, but that's impossible. The world is a small place now. At 74, he doesn't work for the money anymore. He doesn't need it. He still runs Furniture Gallery nationwide because he loves it. A lot of real good people have come into my store over the years, but he also doesn't let it run him. I could have busted my arse and worked twice as hard and had ten stores, he said. What would a person want? It's just more headaches, that's all. For him, life isn't all about work. I've always worked as much as I could, but I enjoyed life. I got to Labrador every summer, sometimes twice. Gallant's real passion is fly fishing. I've fished almost every river in Labrador. For 30 years I've been going to Labrador. 
His wife doesn't quite understand how he can spend hours doing nothing, he said. My wife says, how can you sit in a boat for five hours fishing? And I said, Fran, I love it. My mind goes blank when I'm fishing. It's like meditation, he said. I just concentrate on the fishing and putting that fly out there. While fishing is Gallant's preferred way to relax, he's not ready to sail off into a Labrador sunset yet. I'm still here. I don't intend to retire, as long as my mind stays healthy. Being active and working at what he loves is what keeps him sharp, he said. I think your mind stays healthy so long as you've got something to do. I think if you just go and sit at home or sit at the coffee shop, your mind starts going dormant on you. And that's it for the first OJT Deadlines. Follow this podcast on Instagram at OJT underscore podcast and on Twitter at OJT podcast. The Facebook page is OJT on the job training. Follow me on Instagram at logan.mclean.75 and on Twitter at loganmclean94. And finally, listeners, please check out my website, ojtpod.ca, for more written stories like you heard today, past episodes, and progress reports. The podcast is available there and on all major streaming platforms. Please rate, subscribe, and review. Everything helps when getting a podcast off the ground, and if you like this show, listener feedback is the best way to help me reach new people and make that happen. This has been OJT, On the Job Training, the Deadlines Edition. I'm Logan McLean. Thank you for listening.